at Hugh Church, you have permission to talk. Even as I am speaking, you have a permission. I'll ask you questions. Please uh, do engage and we'll make it a fun time for everybody. Hey, I am Dr. Sam Purley, one of the co-pastors of Hugh Church. And it's a joy to be worshiping and singing songs and having this fun time with you all today. Hey, this might be your first time here, and if so, we give you a heartfelt welcome. Well, you've been here since the start. We still love you. I mean, this church is amazing. Uh, we are a new church in the Bay Area, and it's been just a little over two months since we got started, and we are so excited for what is happening amongst us. This is such a privilege that we get to be part of this life-changing experience in the lives of us, as well as so many people around us. Hey, this month, May, is a month of celebration in our particular family, in my family, in my wife's family. May 1st is my wife's birthday. And May 11th is our wedding anniversary. And May 14th was my birthday. And we just had so much joy celebrating. And while we celebrate, it was also an opportunity just to be grateful, thankful for what has happened in our lives. And it was also a moment to look back and just evaluate how life has been, how things have happened, and even remember some of those fun experiences when we got married. Now, we got married May 11th, 2019, four years ago, and we are so thankful for the marriage that God has given us. But as we were recollecting the days uh, leading up to the wedding and after marriage, there were a lot of fun memories, but there were also some sad memories. Some memories that we were a little sad about, and uh, one of them has to do with our wedding day. So we got married on May 11, 2019, but a little bit of backstory. You see, Priya and I, we met in the church. And Priya at that time was actually in Canada and I was in the Bay Area. And so Priya's uncles have been very active in a Friday night Bible study that uh, we were leading and they set us up. So Priya and I got to know each other across the coast. She was in Toronto and I was in San Francisco and we talked and we liked each other. So we decided we want to take this forward and get married. And both of us, we thought it's better for us to get married in India because our extended family, most of it is still in India. So we thought we'll just fly to India and get married there. Now, it's been a long time since I left India. I grew up there, but it's been a while that I have, uh, you know, actually lived in India. So I thought, you know, I want to go there early. I want to go there two months earlier, make sure I get everything sorted out for the wedding. I'm sure I have friends that would want to help me, my parents would want to help me, but I wanted the wedding to happen on my terms. I was very particular and how it was supposed to unfold. So a lot of prep went into it and the day came, May 11, 2019. As I was approaching my wedding day, I had one surprise after another. That day, it rained. It did not rain the day before, nor the day after. It rained that particular day. And for us, that day, we decided we were going to have a dinner outside in a wonderful summer in India. But it rained. And so we had to change all our plans and then get the dinner station to move indoors. And then what happened was, because of the rain, there was a power outage. And there was no electricity that day. Now, we had to figure out a portable generator situation so we could get power back on. And then we had the camera guy who was supposed to do a live stream so that all my friends and Priya's friends who are not in India could also watch the wedding. And that camera guy did not get the live stream going. He just put up a screen and he put up a camera saying, this is live stream. 
on the screen and all of this was unfolding and i was so anxious i was so nervous i was thinking why is all of this happening to me i mean didn't i do all the groundwork didn't i do all the prep work leading up to the wedding i still did but it was still happening the way it was now the wedding commenced and i was up on the platform along with priya and the officiator asked us to exchange our vows we were exchanged in the vows but all that was going on in my mind was what about the rain what about the dinner what about this live stream that was happening and so then the officiator said okay it's time to exchange your symbols of the vows uh, please exchange the rings and i was thinking oh yeah the ring right and i put my hand in the pocket to realize there was no ring the ring was missing i didn't know where the ring was and when that happened i was like wait didn't i carry the ring or did i give the ring to somebody and if you look at that picture the ring i felt like i gave it to my best man uh, who was standing right beside me and that best man is my brother our co-pastor so i turned to him was like hey did i give you the ring didn't i give you the ring just before the start of the wedding and he was like i don't have it and so we didn't know where the ring was and then all the groomsmen were looking at each other where is the ring nobody could find it well it turns out my best man was playing a prank he had the ring but he was just playing a prank and he brought the ring out and we eventually got married but there i was so anxious you know i was in the weeds and missing the forest for the trees I was so particular about the details of getting everything ready that I missed the main thing the important thing it doesn't matter if it rains it doesn't matter if people eat food it doesn't matter if any of these live streams work but it so matters that I put the ring on Priya but because there were so many things clamoring for my attention and because my mind was busy I missed out on the most important thing which was the ring you see friends you might have had similar experiences where you were anxious about particular important events in your life maybe particular important decisions you had to make maybe particular circumstances you were going through or still going through right now you might be feeling that anxiety you see anxiety is a natural human response to sudden danger or challenging circumstances and anxiety in some ways can help us cope with those challenges and come up with a way to go forward but however excessive unwarranted anxiety can be debilitating can hurt us and make it hard for us to go forward in life couple weeks ago when we started this teaching collective on free your mind we talked about anxiety that step, stems from scarcity in our lives anxiety about things that we do not have Now this week today I'm going to expand further on how you and I can free our minds talking about anxiety that stems from being overwhelmed having too many things clamoring for our attention having our bucket full with so many decisions that we need to make how do you go about handling anxiety because there are so many things that are clamoring for your attention in this information rich age you see friends research shows that the attention span of humanity is on the decline people have done studies where they would monitor people's anxious behavior 
they would look for their attention span looking in front of the screen. And in 2005, they found the average attention span for humans was about 13 seconds. 13 seconds. That's the attention span looking at something without having your mind wander off to something else. And 15 years later, they did the same study to find the, the attention span was about 9 seconds. Actually, 8 seconds, 1 second smaller than the attention span of the absent-minded goldfish. Our attention span was smaller than the goldfish. And now we estimate, especially for those who are so heavy on screens, the attention span is about 3 to 5 seconds. The attention span is on the decline. And when we say the attention span is on the decline, what we are doing is we are shifting our attention from one thing to another thing to another thing. And each time we shift our attention, there is a cost of the shift. We have to context switch from one thing to another thing. And research shows that when we do that, there is increased blood pressure, there is increased heart rate, there is increased stress and anxiety that we experience. Why do we shift our attention? Why are we trying to context switch from one thing to another thing? Well, it's because of this idea of multitasking. We are in an information-rich age and there is a lot of information, a lot of decisions that are thrown at us that we need to decide on quick. So we better handle multiple things at the same time. It turns out for natural humans, multitasking is a myth. Unless you're doing things that you could do subconsciously like walking, chewing a gum, we cannot do more than one thing at the same time. You cannot be on a Zoom video call and still be reading email and paying attention to both. You cannot listen to two people talking to you at the same time and understand both of them. You cannot be texting and still be driving safely. You cannot have a relationship with your spouse and love somebody else. Multitasking is a myth and it doesn't work. But we all still want to multitask. And when we do multitask, we keep paying the cost of switching. Switching from one thing to another thing to another thing, resulting in anxiety. And this anxiety results in deeper physiological conditions over time. This shortened attention span that we are living in. How are you dealing with anxiety that stems from having to make multiple decisions in our lives today? Have you thought about decluttering your lives? Have you thought about what is the most important decision you need to make? What is the most important thing you need to pay attention to in your life? Or are you still trying to manage all things at the same time, but still finding that's futile? Today, I invite you to examine the story where Jesus walks in to a temple. And when he walks into a temple, he ends up decluttering the temple. And I want you to observe, I want you to observe what Jesus does when he does this. We're going to read from the book of John, chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. When it's almost time from for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, others sitting at tables, exchanging money. 
So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remember that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. I want you to picture yourself walking in to the temple. If you look at a picture of the temple, you'll see this is what the temple looked like in Jesus' time. Right in the center is where the priests would offer sacrifices and worship God that they have come to worship. But as you see, there is this court space around the center space. And all of this court space is where people could come to stand, to pray, to meet other people and to have an experience of visiting the temple. The temple itself was about the size of two football fields in length, maybe a little bigger than that. And it could have hosted a lot of people in Jesus' time. But Jesus found that when he walked into the temple, all of this space that would have been normally used for prayer, for meeting people, for fellowship, was filled with people changing money, selling doves, selling flock, and was looking like a marketplace, was looking more like our current shopping malls. And you could imagine that Jesus walking in was taken aback. What's going on here? I have come to experience worship in this temple, but all I see is people so distracted People were distracted with money changers. People were distracted with buying, with selling, and all kinds of merchandise that was on display. So much so that a person walking in would not know what to do when we, they go to the temple. Isn't this much like current day religion? You know, a person might want to meet with God. But then they meet religion instead of God. And religion makes them go in circles. Get one thing after another thing after another thing. Do one thing after another thing after another thing. And eventually, they never end up meeting God. And they leave the religion thinking it doesn't work for them. It is true, friends. Religion doesn't work. It's a relationship with God that works. And so when Jesus walks into the temple, he finds that the temple has presented the biggest obstacle for people to actually connect with God. And so what did Jesus do? He made a whip. It says he made it himself. And Jesus was so livid that he wanted to clean up the distractions that were there. Jesus would go. He would overthrow the money changers. He would get the flocks going out of the place. Why? Why did Jesus do that? In another passage, uh, which is similar to this passage, it says that Jesus called them, you are robbers. You are thieves. You are stealing from people. Why would Jesus say that? Well, that was because there was something more profound that was going on at that time. You see, at that time, when people came to worship God, they would bring an offering. They would bring a sacrifice. They would bring a lamb. They might bring birds if they are poorer people. And they would come to offer to God. But what happened was, all these businessmen who had flocks, they came up to the priest and they made a deal. That the priest would only accept what the Bible calls blemishless animals. 
the sacrifice has to be without blemish and that would be certified by the priest so you could imagine these people who were selling flocks selling all these birds they would come and make a deal with the priest hey we got all the merchandise you certify only these animals to be blemishless to be clean while everything else people might be walking up with they would not be acceptable for sacrifice and so all of a sudden you have all these businessmen that have a monopoly right there and then there were the money changers why were the money changers involved there well it's the similar reason the idea was that when people would come and buy merchandise for sacrifice because they couldn't buy anywhere else they couldn't bring their own flock with them now they have to purchase it at the temple but to purchase it at the temple they wouldn't accept the common roman currency the priests said this currency is idolatrous this currency is blasphemous so people would come and they would tell them hey your credit card doesn't work we don't accept visa we don't accept mastercard well what do you accept well you have to get our own credit card you have to use the temple currency temple currency where do i get that temple currency well we've got money changers do you have roman currency we can give you temple currency how much does it cost well exorbitantly more than the market price so you have what's happening here the business people colluding with the priests and robbing everybody else that came to worship this is why jesus was angry this is why jesus called them thieves and robbers this is why jesus was against religion this is why jesus was against clutter jesus looks at what's happening at the temple much similar to what's happening with religion today saying you guys are thieves and robbers and that is so literally true people out there are robbing other people of resources of their relationships of their times of their treasures in exchange for food and drink that doesn't satisfy them in exchange for satisfying their spiritual hunger in the name of religion and so jesus gets angry but i really want this to soak into you because what jesus was doing there was removing what was necessary was removing what was an obstacle for a relationship with god stop making my father's house a marketplace stop making my father's house a marketplace you see friends the bible pictures our own heart as god's temple and in our heart there is a limited space and most often in this information rich age we are packing our hearts we are packing the limited space in our lives with all kinds of merchandise with all kinds of things that are really not helpful that are really not important that are really not helping us get to where we need to go but why do we do that why do we pack our hearts why did these people pack the temple well one reason it's greed as i mentioned these people were charging exorbitant exchange rates these people were charging above market price for all these merchandise why because of greed why do we multitask why do we clamor to get to so many things that we can't control in our lives because we believe that we will fall behind 
if you don't do so you see friends we buy into the lie that more is good having more is good having more is right but i want you to know having more is more anxiety having more is more worry is it true that money buys happiness you've heard that phrase was it mastercard visa money buys happiness is that true well sociologists have done an experiment to test that is it true that more money buys more happiness is it true that people who have more personal wealth are actually happier in life and so they've done this uh, experiment where they would do a survey of people with different personal wealths and they saw what happens when people's personal wealth increases over time and they tracked what is the dimin- what is the marginal return for more and more wealth what they found as exemplified in this chart is that after about 70k usd per annum a person's happiness with more money stops start dropping the more and more money you acquire after $70,000 is not going to keep you happy anymore and when you reach about 160k per annum there is almost no return on having more money to buy you happiness more is not good after the basic needs are satisfied after you take care of your food clothing and shelter to live a life in america the more you have is not helping you friends the more is making you miserable the more is making you anxious and jesus invites us to declutter our lives to simplify our lives in fact friends this is how the world is made god made the world simple but we make it complex god made the world simple friends has anybody heard of e equals mc square you've heard of it it's einstein's famous equation e equals mc square energy is mass times the velocity of light squared these two giant governing principles of the universe energy and all matter mass are so intricately linked with a simple equation e equals mc square newton said force equals mass times acceleration so simple friends do you know how many proteins are there in the human body any guess 20000 proteins 20000 proteins are present in the human body you know how many of those are required to convert any cell into a stem cell only 4 only 4 and our lab won the nobel prize for that discovery only four proteins out of 20000 proteins are needed to make a stem cell wow the world has been made simple e equals mc square s equals ma only four proteins to make a stem cell the world is simple friends but we in our information rich age have made it complex we are busy with so many things There was a point in time when Jesus was visiting a family. A family with two sisters, Martha and Mary. 
And when Jesus visited them, Martha and Mary, they tried to do their best in hosting Jesus. After all, Jesus was a celebrity. There were a lot of people following Jesus. So when Jesus came, a lot of people came along with Jesus. Of the two sisters, Martha was particularly careful to make sure Jesus and all the people that came with Jesus had the best possible experience. So Martha went to the kitchen and started preparing her best meals, started thinking about how to make this a great experience for Jesus. But the work was too much for her to handle. She probably never had so many people come to her home. So she came and found her sister Mary was doing nothing. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so she walks right up to Jesus and tells Jesus, Jesus, can you tell Mary to get up and come and help me? You see, there is so much work to be done and Mary is sitting idle. And you know what Jesus responded? This is what Jesus said to Martha in Luke chapter 10 verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, my friend, you are anxious about many things. But only one thing is necessary. Only one thing, friends, is necessary. And so Jesus refused to grant Martha's request. Refused to let Mary go and bury herself in the paralysis of analysis. Where there is so many options, so many things to take care of, so many burdens to carry. And so Jesus invites us, friends. He says, come to me. If you read this passage, this is what Jesus said. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those of us who work in the Silicon Valley, those of us who live here, easy, light, and rest are not the adjectives you would describe your life. It's not easy. It's not restful. And it's definitely not light. Every person you talk with, they're living at their peak levels of stress in their life. And Jesus comes to us, those of us living in the Silicon Valley and says, come to me. You are careful and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is needful. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, be united with me. Learn from me and I will teach you the good simple life. A life that is easy. A life that is light. And a life full of rest in me. And friends, I don't know, you know what burden you might have walked in with. What fears of the future, what anxieties you might have, what, you know, big decisions you have to make in your life, you know, what worries you have. But Jesus is inviting you. Come to Jesus and you will find rest to your soul. I want to go ahead and close with one last passage. This is a prophet writing about what God can truly offer to those who seek him. He writes, even youths shall faint 
and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted but they who wait for the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint they shall rise up on wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary any runners in the room anybody like running yeah a few people yeah you know i love running i uh, ran in the san francisco half marathon and man i want to run and not grow weary i mean you talk about running half a mile running a mile i mean 13 miles for me or those who run the marathon like that's a lot of miles and jesus promises god promises that you will run and not grow weary i want that who wouldn't want that jesus invites us that's how you will live if you are with me you see i mean i'm very impressed by the imagery of raising on wings like eagles those who wait on jesus those who trust in him those who depend upon him they will rise on wings like eagles you know there are different ways to fly did you know that i want you to watch this video okay this is the video of a hummingbird and watch how a hummingbird flies 50 flaps per second 50 flaps per second and it can reach a speed of 30 miles an hour that's like instantaneous right it's like that's so cute and that's how fast hummingbirds can fly 50 times flapping their wings but friends there is another way to fly isn't our lives like the hummingbird in the bay area flapping our wings constantly just to stay afloat paddling hard not to drown not to get bogged down by all the pressures that are on our lives well god invites us he says those who wait upon the lord come and you will raise on wings like eagles and in a moment the worship team is going to lead us in a song and as the leaders in a song friends i want to invite you examine your lives are you living a life full of anxiety worries and things clamoring for your attention is your mind full of anxious thoughts come to jesus friends and maybe there are some burdens that are heavy on your heart i want you to give them to jesus on your seats you would have had a connect card on which you could write a prayer you could write a burden that you are facing in your life something that you want to see jesus answer it could be a big thing it could be a small thing maybe you're looking for a job maybe you're looking for healing in a personal relationship maybe you're looking for god to give you a breakthrough in your life well maybe for some of you you have never discovered what it is to come to jesus and i want to give you an opportunity to do so if you want to take a step to trust in jesus and to maybe begin a relationship with him maybe you can also check the box saying i want to begin a relationship with jesus you want to go ahead and let your interest known so we could come alongside and help you wait on the lord may you raise on wings like eagles god bless you